0: Hey, I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Ashley. And you're listening to All Bodies, All Foods, presented by the Renfrew Center for Eating Disorders. We want to create a space for all bodies to come together authentically and purposefully to discuss various areas that impact us on a cultural and relational level. We believe
1: that all bodies and all foods are welcome. We would love for you to join us on this journey. Let's learn together. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of All Bodies, All Foods. I'm Sam. I'm here with my co-host, Ashley, and we have an awesome guest today. We have Kyle Comden here, who is an art therapist at the residential level of care at Spring Lane. So just to introduce you to Kyle, he is a board certified art therapist in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He's working at the Spring Lane site. It's a residential site, and he is our creative arts therapy supervisor, where he engages patients in a variety of art therapy groups and experiences to aid patients in their recovery process. Kyle has been working directly in the field since 2016, with a a background working in autism spectrum disorders, developmental and behavioral care, inpatient psychiatric health care, neurological issues, and eating disorders. Welcome to the episode, Kyle. Kyle.
2: Thank you so much Sam Ash. I'm happy to be here.
1: So, we um for our listeners out there, we just wanted to give an overview of what art therapy is. And I thought I could pull the definition from the American Art Therapy Association because some of you out there might be wondering what exactly is art therapy. So, art therapy is facilitated by a professional art therapist and it effectively supports personal and relational treatment goals as well as community concerns. Art therapy is used to improve cognitive and sensory motor functions. It fosters self-esteem and self-awareness, cultivates emotional resilience, promotes insight, enhances social skills, reduces and resolves conflicts and distress, and advances societal and ecological change. It really does quite a bit. Would you agree with that definition, Kyle?
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I think they may have updated since I was in school, but I think that captures everything that, that art therapy does.
1: Yeah. So tell me about yourself, um, if you would. What sort of drew you to art therapy specifically, the mental health field in general, eating disorders? And I know you also run the sexuality and gender equality support group. So could you tell us a little bit about how you got here?
2: Yeah, I've had kind of an interesting road before I landed on this as my career path. So all of my life, the arts have kind of bounced in and out of my life. I used to play the violin. I was an actor, did um, visual art throughout my life. Um, But I always kind of felt like service had to be a part of my career in some way. So it didn't feel right for me to just go straight into the fine arts world. Um, And I respect anyone that does. It takes a lot of courage. Um, and I discovered uh, art therapy when I was in my undergraduate de- uh, degree. They they offered some pre-art therapy courses with Mark and Michelle Dean, who practiced in Philadelphia. And I just found information just was so palatable and engaging. And I, I almost had like a spiritual connection to the way uh, art was talked about. Um, and I I really enjoyed uh, working within the mental health field. I've always been very analytical. I enjoy. Kind of diving deep into who people are, and so it just kind of lined up that it was just like a perfect match for all of my skill sets, all my interests. And then grad school came uh, very; uh, it was very accessible to me. I enjoyed the experience, um, and then kind of I, w- I worked in a variety of different fields, um, kind of by chance, uh, and they've all kind of added to my my repertoire in the field. I enjoy working with different types of populations. And then in terms of the, the SAGE group here, so when I, when I started in 2020 here, there was a lot of instability uh, at, at any site you worked at. So I was kind of just taking any opportunities I can get here at, at Spring Lane. And they offered me to, to run the, the support group. And I, uh, talk therapy isn't really my forte, but that kind of engaging in that group, which is the community I'm a part of, it made me feel like I was giving back in a way. And I felt like I could show up very transparently and honestly in a really helpful way. Um, So that's been a real uh, blessing to be a part of. Mm, I
1: love that. I love that we also at Renfrew, at at Spring Lane, we try to create communities within the community. And I think that's so important. And it's just wonderful that you've been able to take that on. Um, I'm very curious
0: to hear more about art therapy. Ashley, I'm wondering, you know, what's coming up for you? I'm I'm so curious. So Spring Lane is a residential facility, which means that um, the the patients that we work with that come there um, tend to have a pretty high or severe level of an eating disorder. There tend to be some medical issues. Um, I'm just I, I guess I'm curious, like how how do you work with um, clients that are experiencing that severity of an eating disorder, and and what can art therapy give them? Um, I'm super excited to hear about this. I was telling Kyle before we did this that I used to run an expressive group, but definitely I am not a certified art therapist. So I can't wait to hear what you have to say to this, Kyle.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's been really interesting working here um, because I spend a lot of time in the art studio and sometimes I'm not always in the community. And when people come into the art studio, it's like a transformation kind of happens. Yes um and they almost get put at the same level now naturally when people first get here there's a lot of defenses like i don't want to let go of this control i have i don't want to kind of just give into it yeah. and the 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 peer relationships that happen here really encourage them to just express and kind of grow and accept like this bizarre situation that's happening in front of them mm-hmm. um in saying that though there are it does come with some challenges so if someone is severely um Severely into their eating disorder and is malnourished, they may not be able to take on cognitively some of the the maybe deeper levels of art therapy. So I often kind of have to scale my groups depending on who's walking in the door. So say I was doing a group around um, kind of exploring your emotional states. Some people I might be able to say, like, I want you to depict your emotional state as a, a landscape, what's kind of growing around there, what's going on in there. Some people that might be a little bit too abstract. So I might encourage to kind of lower it down. It's like, what colors do you connect to to your emotional state and see where that transports you.
0: Mm -hmm. So
2: you kind of have to kind of work with the different energy energies in the room and the hopes Mm -hmm. that it will all kind of come together. Um, And I've, I've really been lucky here because the, the amount of talent that just comes to the door, I was never expecting that, but just like There's some really gifted people that I work with here and I love to kind of spark that in them or reignite it in a way. And I think that's how the arts can be healing and is kind of an escape out of their eating disorder.
0: Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we do at Renfrew that Renfrew does is as, as a client, Ha- like allows us to we might use that work in a calendar that we create every year and I have it hanging on my wall right here um, and it's so cool to see like maybe the different prompts that you've led with um, and then to see their image and just kind of like what came out of that you know um, that's really cool as a bystander to kind of see that
2: and, and I think adding to that so So showing someone's work at a scale like that can be really empowering, right? So, so a person they might leave art therapy and like this isn't worthwhile. I'm not going to save this, but seeing it at that scale, it kind of I see it every time I ask them, "Would you like to submit to the calendar? You like to show your work?" Um, And they're always kind of very humbled by it, and they're very kind of happy to hear that they're a part of it. So it definitely has a healing component as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think not only doing it, but also seeing. The work of others, the artwork of others helps normalize a lot of these experiences, I think um, that folks have. I'm just curious, you know, when, when we think about therapy, I mean, most people think about talk therapy, how is art therapy different? I mean, how does art therapy really help someone heal who's struggling with food, their relationship with food, their relationship with their body? What's different about it? You know, why should, why should they do it?
2: Well, there's a couple things I could add to that. So there's, there's kind of a scope of reference on how art therapists practice. Some art therapists like to go more of a clinical route. So assessing, um, kind of integrating talk therapy into their work. And there's kind of the, the, the way of practicing using art just as therapy. So the idea of just making something is healing in its own, own merit. Mm. I think what, What makes art therapy unique in the mental health world is that uh, the idea of creating things, making things, reclaiming power is something that we forget that we're allowed to do. And I think that's what separates it from typical talk therapy. I think there's some really gifted psychotherapists out there that can pull out some some deep-seated information. But with art, you're, you're leaving with something. There's a tangible representation of the session. Um, I can literally see a client's progression through their work. It works in in terms of treatment. I can assess a patient. I can help treatment teams with it. Um, I can help a patient see themselves differently. Um, and so there's like it's almost like there's a third party working in the room that helps the therapeutic process in a little bit.
1: Oh wow. So you can actually when you sort of look at the artwork that someone has done maybe their first week in treatment compared to their last week, what are some of the things that you might notice that would indicate progress?
2: Well, I can like I said before, I can definitely see when a patient has become more nourished, their their work becomes more elaborate, richer use of color, materials. I think the things that I look for are is the is the patient exploring variety? Is are they kind of pushing beyond just representational images? A lot of times people seek out control with the materials when they first come in. So a lot of like diagrammatic art or just kind of representing the same thing over and over again. I almost see like a narrative play out in their time here. And now motivation is definitely a part of it. I work with clients that they're just they're just not into it and I can't push them farther than they're willing to go but those patients that just like give it a go and see where the art takes them like I love to kind of spread out all their work and maybe a last session just to see like do you notice all these changes that came up or all all of these messages that came through in your artwork it's really cool
0: that feels like that has got to be one of the most powerful things for anybody to experience to have the collection of that artwork and and to for them to see who who you know, aren't educated in the art therapy realm, but for them to see the changes and then you, for you to even reflect back the the variety of materials they're using now, like the colors, the vibrancy, you know, that just sounds incredible. I want to do art therapy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know it, it, it's very, it's very inspiring. I yeah. I'm thinking to myself, you know, Kyle, if I were a patient and I were coming to you maybe for like a one-on-one session. And let's say, you know, I'm just sort of making this up. You know, let's say I have a restrictive eating disorder. I have anxiety. And maybe I'm like one of those patients that, you know, thinks maybe I'm not good enough for, you know, to do art therapy. You know, I was never an artist. What is, you know, what would you have in mind for someone like, like that, who would come in? Do you have like an intervention that, that you might try?
2: Well, first off, I hear that literally once a day <laughs> So, like, <laughs> so people before I even say anything, like I'm not an artist. I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. And then yeah. um, it's a lot of unlearning. I have to tell mm-hmm. people like, this is an art class. I'm not here to traumatize you with grades or like tell you there's one way of doing it. The main goal is to to kind of find your inner spirit through art making. And it can be a variety of different ways. Um, I started doing a brief assessment before I meet with clients, just so I have some framework. But sometimes I do just work in the moment with the client. Um, and if I'm doing that, I like to kind of gauge their, their level of comfort. Because I also acknowledge that I'm, I'm a male therapist working with a primarily predominantly female population. So I like to make sure they feel safe and comfortable in the room. I'll often like, build rapport by asking about their week, And also their interests. I like to integrate the patient into the session too. So I like to personalize it to them. So um, I've worked with like I I like to integrate people's like drawing interests. So collage is a very good um, first step in terms of getting a person engaged because it's so accessible. You don't have to really worry about what the image looks like. Um, So that's a really good starting point. So if someone's like particular about the way something looks. That's that's kind of very rewarding because the image is already there. But I do I do like to challenge patients too. And I like to tell them that it's it's okay. I'm here with them. I even sometimes model being ridiculous, right? So just showing that like art doesn't have to be one way. It doesn't have to be like a photograph. And kind of in doing that, I give them permission to have fun, which I think is another big part of art therapy. Like it can be enjoyable therapy can be uh, palatable yeah and um but with that that specific scenario that you're you're talking about it is a lot of kind of de-escalating anxiety so I often rely on what's called the expressive arts continuum and it's a it's kind of a an interesting uh visual to kind of think about where a person's at in the creative process as there's a whole book about it um that I definitely recommend checking out but Like if a person's very kind of locked up um, or feels like they can't express their emotions, I'll often rely on the materials. So I often won't hand them pencils or erasers or things that that will bring out that controlled part of them. I'd be more inclined to at least just put out things like oil pastels, watercolors. These, These materials often induce a more emotive, intuitive state. Sometimes it's too much for people and I'll back up and then some people, I think the main goal is just connecting to their bodies again. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea of doing art that's more about movement or sensation that, that could potentially lead into an image. But sometimes just doing something could be an art form. So squeezing clay, ripping paper, splashing paint onto something that has a real cathartic experience for people. And I like to compare it almost to like a performance piece, anyway, if you want to think of it that way. So, so changing people's perspectives on what art is and giving permission to find their own channel within this art therapy space. Oh,
1: that's fascinating. I love the idea of like not giving pencils because it's like a pencil mm-hmm. and an eraser sends the message that there's something that you might do that needs to be undone.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Often I'll, I'll mm-hmm. what, I'll, what I'll say to patients when they're like, where, is, where are the erasers? Unless it's interesting that you already think you're going to have to erase something. They come right. in with this, I like I'm going to make mistakes and I need to be able to solve them. And I, I honestly, I push them beyond that. It's like, let's just yeah. work with what's in front of us.
1: In a way it's, it's, well, not in a way, it really is emotional exposure. It's getting comfortable mm-hmm. with mistakes. I mean, if, if that's how you're, you know, labeling them, just getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and mm-hmm. just letting yourself be without judgment, letting yourself create without judgment
2: exactly
0: yeah well and and for so many adults or even young adults that have kind of moved into that like thinking part of their brain um this is really asking them to go back deeper um it reminds me like i i started my career Kyle working with a lot of kids and so we did a lot of just play therapy and a lot of child led therapy and half the time i wouldn't know you know, what we were going to do, because I let them kind of lead me. Um, And when, when I started working with an older population and doing some expressive things with them too, it really was fascinating to see um, there, sometimes there was that disconnect. I mean, it was, it it can be really challenging for somebody to kind of shift out of that, like thinking part of their brain or that expectation part of their brain. um, And it can also still be so powerful for them.
2: And I think it's, it's sometimes hard for people to see their value in those other parts of them too. So I think I almost, um, quietly have to show ways to kind of access that.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So is there a favorite group or a favorite activity, one that you like, or that, that like your clients have just like, they want to show up for it constantly.
2: Well, I I mean, I'm so blessed that I get to do so many different groups. I have a different theme for like one of the 20 groups that we will here. (laughs) Um, But most of our our adolescent patients, they really enjoy the open art space. They really crave those moments that are unstructured, social. And that time I get to almost do like many individual sessions with them. So I appreciate that time too. Um, And I would say... Uh, surprisingly my, my family-based art therapy group is very popular. Um, I I think it's because I create kind of a safe way of looking at family. That's not so much like, let's talk about your trauma. Mm -hmm. It's more about like everyone has a family and there's no perfect family. Let's kind of look at this together and each week's different and kind of exciting. Um, I personally enjoy Some of my more depth-focused groups. I love getting deep with the patients. I love I love like sneaking up on them with it. So I lead a group that's like loosely Jungian-inspired. So like it's called identity and symbolism, and I like to I like to kind of pick a very kind of archetypal symbol, like um, like a wave or um, even a tree, and kind of pull out kind of what's your projection onto that and kind of also let people we're not just let people know we're not just challenging the eating disorder we're, you're rediscovering who you are as a person and mm. so deep and rich yeah and then a recent group I started doing um I started they, they were they really wanted to do something around multicultural issues mm-hmm. so when I was in school we explored something called uh, the addressing model uh, and it was a way for clinicians to explore their own dimensions of culture so each week is a different a letter within the acronym of addressing, for them to explore their relationships. So, so the culture of age, the culture of religion, the culture of race, and how those layers interact with each other and how we each have a different story to bring to that. So that's been interesting for me.
0: That sounds like a really cool, and and you get to do it multiple weeks. So not just like one, you can build upon it. Oh, I love that.
1: Wow. I'm really interested in hearing more about the family, like how you work with a family and art therapy. Yeah. Could you give an example of something you might prompt a family to do?
2: Well, the group I lead here, it's more of the patients talking about their family, but I have experience working with family in my early part of my career. Um, it's, it's interesting because the art sometimes can do a lot of the work for it, and a lot of it comes from assessments. So you could have a patient do a joint drawing together, so let's, let's create a house together, or I want you to draw a family, one draws a family portrait and you explore the differences between that. After working with couples, you can explore like, is there divisions, division, separations, and you can kind of help, you let them into it too. And you, you kind of address all of these things happening in the session uh, to kind of explore where they're at. And it can often be really emotive, but the ultimate goal is to get them working together again. I remember one of my earlier internship experience. I used to work um, briefly at the family court of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It was court, court mandated or therapy. And so, wow. so people that had lost custody, they come in and they'd work, work together for an hour. And it was, it was a lot of conflicting feelings I had doing it, but it, it was really, really beautiful to watch how like for that 50 minutes of their day. Maybe of their lives, they got to share this moment together, and they got to make something. And maybe that's all that that came of that relationship. But being a part of that was really beautiful.
1: Hmm. So really, even just the act of creating something together can have an e- a healing impact
2: absolutely,
0: yeah. Well, I think it allows for like what you're saying, having them both kind of created. It allows for both perspectives to come together, um, which might be something that has been challenging in the family system in the past.
1: Kyle, I, you know, I've been to some educational sort of presentations about art therapy. As a psychologist, I have to do these continuing ed sort of credits and art therapy has always been interesting to me. So I've been to some before and it's my understanding and you talk about this, how symbolism sort of plays a big role in the process. And I was just wondering if you'd be able to give some examples of how symbolism shows up in art therapy and how you work with a patient to maybe uncover some of that because it seems like with art therapy, sometimes those emotions that maybe are really hard to put into words or maybe those emotions that aren't even fully conscious might come out in therapy, kind of like the way they come out in dreams mm-hmm. and dreams can be very symbolic. So I'm just curious, like how would you work with someone who's creating something and maybe you're picking up on all this symbolism? It's like, how do you, how do you sort of help the patient kind of realize that?
2: That's one of my favorite parts of working as an art therapist because I almost feel like an investigator at times. <laughs> um, but yeah. I think... So you have to tread lightly. So every person has their own visual language, and just like our own, our dreams have our, our own language based on who we are as people. And some things, like more, are more archetypal than others. They'll just come up again and again. Um, and what the way I work with that in a group setting is, I'll I'll first kind of I'll, I can ask the group: Is anything kind of sticking out to you? Is this reminding you of anything? Um, I actually like to bring in things from pop culture, even. so like as this this is reminding me of this this character in this movie or this book. um, and I'm curious how they they respond to that. You want to be careful as an art therapist of kind of killing an image by labeling it as something because then that's all sure. anyone sees. So giving options and variety of seeing it, almost like looking at a a cloud shifting in the sky. Um, there are a lot of art therapists, um, and I think, Previously in my career, I wanted to be one of them. They work very diagnostically. So they're constantly looking for these symbols that show up. Um, One of the kind of setbacks in art therapy, it's hard to research, and there's not a lot of research done around the symbolism. So right now, it's just kind of a lot of things that just show up again and again that is more than just coincidence. And another thing that I like to assess and bring the patients aware of how they work with the materials and what they're drawn towards And interestingly enough, I find again and again here, the type of eating disorder manifests in the way they use the materials and the things that show up in the imagery. I would love to do research around it one day. It's just kind of figuring out how I go about that.
1: What have you noticed?
2: Well, I don't want to kind of label it because everyone expresses it differently. But what I do see a lot of times, anorexia nervosa kind of comes across only controlled materials. Uh, pencil a lot of erasure taking up small amounts of space it often overlaps with uh, indicators of depression Mm -hmm. Um, I find patients that struggle with bulimia nervosa there's a lot of taking of the materials like not like gathering everything they can that they think they might use kind of sometimes the the canvas or the paper is oversaturated and some dislike of what they create, I find that pattern come up a lot. And something more recently uh, of some of our patients that are, are seeing recover out of ARFID, very particular about the materials they use, a lot of sensory aversion, that some overlap with autism spectrum, um, but just some things that just kind of stuck out. And there's a lot of indicators for a variety of mental illnesses that can help me uh, talk to the treatment team. So often I'm reinforcing theories already out there within the team. Or I'm kind of helping if someone's feeling stuck working with the client. Um, it's show, If it's showing up again and again in the artwork, I, that's the way the art can be helpful assessment-wise. And it can also help a patient feel a bit validated in their experience. And knowing that like this this happens a lot to people and it comes up in other people's work as well.
1: Wow. So you is it fair to say that sometimes you feel like you can look at art that someone has created an image and be able to even have a sense of what's happening diagnostically. you know you can say this looks like someone who likely has a restrictive eating disorder. this is someone who looks like they're possibly depressed and then you can bring that back to the team and then they sort of say, yeah we we, that's what we think too.
2: Yes, I mean I tried not to kind of overstep my bounds because there are limits to what you can assess in art. And like I said, every individual is different. but I can actually share then yeah when I worked uh, in psychiatric care, a woman came in uh, struggling or or was perceived as struggling with uh, neurological issues. And in the artwork they made came across a lot of indicators of restriction. Um, And I brought it to the team. I shared the artwork and they found the patient was very malnourished. And once they kind of got them back on their feet, they they kind of determined that an eating disorder was the primary diagnosis. So it can really kind of have an effect, especially if you're lost working with a client with a lot of overlap. The um, unconscious has a way of coming out and I see it time and time again.
0: Can I piggyback on that, Kyle? Like, have you had the experience or seen it where so that unconscious comes out, something comes out and it may be, um the client maybe takes a step back like, whoa, that was really intense. Um, I guess one, how would you handle or navigate that? And then also you mentioned earlier, like they, it's a tangible thing. Like they can walk away with it. Like what if they don't want to walk away with
2: it? Like, yeah. Could you speak to any of that? Absolutely. I'm glad you brought it up because it's definitely been the learning curve for me working here. Cause a lot of the people I, I treat have significant trauma. Yeah. And I think that is, that's really what comes up when the art can and go in a negative direction. I, I've worked with several patients where it's hard for the imagery not to kind of evoke memories of a trauma yeah. association. Um, I, I've had to kind of really work to deescalate clients, so working backwards. So the imagery immediately came up and I have to work back to kind of the the body again, feeling like squeezing clay again, or just kind of helping them transition. Mm-hmm. So you have to be really careful with the imagery. That's why it's 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 a big issue um for non-art therapists to be cautious of how they're working within this domain. yeah, but what i what I've found in in working with with these types of patients is um, trying to not be too direct, of course. So using the art as a channel to talk through
0: mm-hmm.
2: almost like um, like you're watching a film or you're these are characters outside of yourself um I can think of multiple occasions where I I could have just directly asked like is this related to this is this this what happened even sometimes labeling something as looking like something can really cause someone to spiral so getting them to be more playful and gentle with the art Mm. and even if it comes up in me to just want to just dive into the trauma work or whatever's happening to the patient I found it to be much more beneficial to just always return to the artworks like where would you find yourself in this image what are some other elements going on you can even work with some reparative work so like what are some things that would make I don't know so this figure feels safer or what would it be like to contain the image I do a lot of containing work so with boxes Mm -hmm. envelopes Every patient I try to give a portfolio for it so they they keep everything, in the art room, the uh-huh. room itself can act as a container. I think yeah. that is one of the biggest struggles I have working with eating disorders is helping the patients realize um they they have more power to contain than they realize, and it doesn't necessarily have to be through their bodies. So gotcha. so that that is one thing that I'm always keeping an eye out for because it, it can be a real struggle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. I'm just wondering, and I'm imagining that maybe there's times where you offer to hold on to the artwork.
2: Yeah. yeah, fairly often.
1: Yeah. And it just reminds me, you know, in the definition that I read in the beginning of the episode about how we can't ever ignore the power of the relationship that you have with the client. It's not just the art, it's the relationship also. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I find working here, it definitely evokes a part of my personality that maybe doesn't show up in other settings. So like, like, um, I appreciate that patients feel safe with me and I I hope that each one I work with that that's evoked for them. Um, I find my gentleness comes out. Um, almost like a fathering sense comes out, um, which is, which is kind of novel to me, but, um, yeah, i do I do hope that that my my personality and my type of therapy does offer something unique to the experience, too
0: yeah, yeah. so uh, kind of to piggyback on something that you alluded to a little bit earlier, you were talking about how um you wanted to, you know, research the um diagnostic um material, I guess, when looking at the artwork. So if somebody is there um working on an emotional issue, obviously working on their eating disorder, but let's say they're working on some trauma or some depression as well. Um, and they're doing that in their individual therapy path. And of course, in their group therapy, how does the art therapy, um, complement that work?
2: Well, I think that it often mirrors whatever they're doing in the community. Yeah. Um, whether that's relationally, whether it's something they're working on specifically in therapy. Um, I'll often, like, especially if I have a real visceral response to a work of art or just a patient, I'll reach out to their primary therapist or their team and share what I'm seeing. And more often than not, the things that I'm seeing are showing up in other situations. So it lets me know what to challenge, what to work on with them. And it's it builds that collaborative effort. So I'm not just op- operating in isolation, like the work that we're doing is definitely complementary to all of the other things they're doing. And I even kind of, I've developed certain groups that are scaled higher. So here at Residential, we have something called um, A stage where patients are, are more ready for deeper exposures, deeper emotional work. So those groups kind of help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, 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 for <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it it seems to me like, you know, whatever they're working on in therapy, whether it's building distress tolerance or expressing emotions or whatever it may be, figuring out their identity, it's sort of like that work plays out in art and you can give them certain, you can invite them to try certain things in art that help them practice, you know, tolerating that distress or taking risks Mm. or managing impulses you know, I'm just sort of thinking like, you know, um, sitting with urges is a big part of the work in eating disorder recovery. You know, being able to manage when you feel that urge to act on, you know, act on your emotions to be able to sit with that. And I'm curious, like, how might you work on that in in an art therapy session?
2: Well, sometimes just the act of just staying in the room is a lot for patients. Yeah. You know, yeah. I had I had work with someone this week and they found the art room just they said, it's so chaotic. There's just so much going on here. I don't think I could sit here. And then I chose to kind of model exactly what the group was about and just kind of giving them the tools they need. Some patients need more structure than others. And I, I try to create that safe environment. Um, I think that what's what's difficult is working with the variety of needs in the room. So, like I said, I like to kind of pivot and I, I don't like to go in with too much of a high expectation of what a group should look like. I like to leave room for adaptability and ultimately creativity because I'm not here to say this is one way to be, but I'm also here to challenge them on what they think their art and what their ability is it's because I, I kind of see the potential each time. If you had
0: a client that just I mean, just fell in love with this and, you know, maybe was leaving the program, um, but you could tell like really, really connected with this form of expression um, with art therapy. Would there be activities that you would encourage them to do? Would there be resources that you would point them in the direction of? Um, how how would one be able to leave you knowing that they wanted to continue this work that's such a good question ashley because i can't (laughs) tell
1: you how there are so many patients who were like art therapy
2: was so powerful yeah yeah so uh, we're lucky that we have a lot of art therapists working at our variety of sites but what i like to offer um is each each state should have a listing of their um their credentialed art therapists you can go to the american art therapy association website or you can look up your state. You just want to look out for the, the correct credentials because yeah. if, you, if you go on something like psychology today, everyone will say like, I'm practicing art therapy, but they mean they, they don't really have the background. So you just watch out for that.
1: Oh, what are the credentials they should look for?
2: So every state's a little bit different. Um, you want to at least look for um, the ATR following their, their uh, master's credential. ATR,
1: um, okay, what does that yes. stand for?
2: Uh, registered art therapists. So that means that they've they've completed uh, the required uh, supervision and they've kind of been put into the system as a working art therapist. Um, Pennsylvania, and and I'm not exactly clear which state specifically, we take an exam uh, to get a board certification. And that that shows that. Um, well, that exam can count towards towards licensure in the states. You could charge insurance. Eventually you can work independently. Um, some New York, New York works through the education department, I believe. Um, so you just want to make sure you're looking out for people that, that have those credentials. Some people might be working towards them, but tells you that they have the background in it and like their degree is specifically in art therapy or expressive therapy.
1: Mm. That's so important. Yeah. I think that's true across all professions too. It's sort of like, you know, we tell our patients, be careful of people who claim to be nutritionists you know, at, it's really important that they're registered dietitians. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. That's a really important um, piece of information. Kyle, I'm curious, what's your favorite part about being an art therapist?
2: Well, I think as a career, I mean, like I said, it it definitely accesses all of, all of the parts of myself that I appreciate. And like, it's a way for me to give back. But to be honest, like, I've always wanted a career where I could leave at the end of the day, knowing that I did something that made a difference. Mm-hmm. And in mental health, it's it's so hard to tell like the impact you have, but like, I can't tell you how many like days I leave here. And I I know that the art left an impact and I know that they're changed in some ways. And I can't predict the ripple effect of that. I'm sometimes grateful that like, I'm not seeing people again and again, because I know there's some, something else hopefully has happened to them. But um, just kind of knowing that they were impacted in a in a positive way that that really kind of keeps me going keeps me motivated and even those difficult days. I love that. I love so that. Much. <laughs> Thank you
0: so much, Isla. Is there anything else you would love to share with us about art therapy or the work that you do um, as we close out the podcast?
2: I guess I'll just close with like, if any of you are considering art therapy, know that for every art therapist, there's a different way of practicing. So yeah. each, each experience is going to be very unique. Each, every person has a bit different theoretical background they're coming into. So just go in with an open mind. And I encourage any of you interested just to try it. It could be kind of evoke something very new in you. Um, but I really appreciate being a part of this. This is a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And, and and I know that our listeners have been eager to hear and learn more about art therapy and, and creative ways that we work with uh, clients anyway. So thank you for everything that you've shared with us. My pleasure. Thanks, Kyle. And thank you, listeners, for joining us um, for this episode of Art Therapy with Kyle Cogden. We hope you enjoyed this deep dive into art therapy. And if you did love the episode, you can subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Also, feel free to share it with others. And if you want more um, information, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Renfrew Center. For free education, events, trainings, webinars, resources, and blogs, head over to our website at www.renfrewcenter.com. And if you have any questions or comments that you would like um, to talk with us about uh, for future episodes, please be sure to email those to us at podcasts at Thank you again. Thank you for listening with us today on All Bodies, All Foods, presented by the Renfrew Center for Eating Disorders. We're looking forward to
1: you joining us next time as we continue these conversations.